0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: of Our Own Voices Live, that brother from New York, York, Larry Locke, brings it to us every day we do this show with some knowledge through rap. Some people might call it hip-hop, but in the day it was just rap, and that's what it was all about, was educating our own and also telling our stories to other people so they could hear our plight a tradition that goes back literally as far as Africa. There have always been storytellers, where it was the griots back in the day or folks like Larry today. Well, I am your host, Rodney Smith, and let me tell you a little bit about what we're going to talk about today. I, I am excited to talk. I'm excited every day we do the show, uh, especially today because this is an opportunity for the community To give back to someone who gives to the community So the title of our show today is Miss China Goes to Africa We're also going to talk about the African American Student Summit Do a recap on it uh, The Literacy Book Drive And this is Black History Month As a matter of fact, it's the centennial for Black History Month That started out as, actually it was just a day And then it came, uh, came into a week And later on into a month, uh, Brother Carter G. Woodson making it happen. And, of course, since this is Black History Month, we should be free to talk about the black agenda, the black agenda. So give us a call, 347-826-9600, 347-826-9600. We're going to talk about these topics, maybe a few other things, but for sure, we want to try to get to all of those things. Uh, with uh, a little bit more about Our Own Voices Live, Our Own Voices Live, derived from Our Own Voices, the print and digital magazine, Magazine is a radio show featuring people and stories from our community in Las Vegas, the surrounding area, and someplace near you. America is the greatest country on earth due to its cultural diversity and not in spite of it. Our mission is to help bridge the culture and ethnic divide in America by working together to build the greatest bridge in history to unite us. And some of the ways we do this is with this show, Our Own Voices Live, as well as the magazine, Our Own Voices. We do things like The Gathering every Friday from 1230 to 2 at the Westside Bistro located inside of Nevada, and that is located at 710 West Lake Mead Boulevard. And that's an opportunity for us to come together, break bread, and recognize one another as individual persons where we all have a voice, hence the name, our own voices, and we own it. It is our voice, and we should be able to speak it and share it freely. That is the foundations of America, right? Free speech. So we want to exercise that free speech today today. Uh, We do have a guest that will be coming on shortly to talk about Miss China's trip to Africa. She's actually going to Ghana. She is a uh, person here who's been just instrumental in some very positive things in the community. Uh, We talked about that gathering. Uh, Look forward to an after work uh, Friday gathering slash mixer coming soon at the CEO lounge located at 5900 west flamingo yes i'm giving a plug out because it's owned by africans specifically from nigeria and this will be a chance for the african-american community as well as the african community to come together there'll be food so we want you to buy food but you want to break bread together and then you know there's going to have some fun, too. We're not just going to talk heavy. I mean, I think we have fun whenever we have our gatherings, but we're going to slightly take it uh, to a a different level because uh, we want to embrace more of the community who may not have access to that particular portion of town where we normally have the gathering. Of course, some people are still at work and don't get a chance to break for lunch. So those are some of the things that uh, we would like to do and we're bringing to you. Also, we're going to bring back open mic. Don't know if we're going to make it back for Black History Month. I sure hope we do because we have a lot of poets out there, a lot of powerful spoken word artists that really can say a lot to help inspire us during this time of celebration. That's right. Black History Month or African American History Month, I believe as as it's officially called, is a time of celebration. But just as much as it is a time of celebration, it is also a time of remembrance. That's right, remembrance, an opportunity to us to reflect back on our elders that are with us and our ancestors who have gone before us, who have paved the path that we have achieved thus far, definitely standing on generations, literally dynasties, of many who came before us. They built a pyramid so that we could reach the sky. Are we reaching the sky? The black agenda, we're going to talk about it because if you don't have agenda, it's like a business plan. It's sort of your roadmap to success. Well, we need that business plan. We need that roadmap so we can follow it, so we can reach those heights that our ancestors reached. If they can do it, surely we can do it today. Well, as many of you know, this show could not happen if it was just me alone takes more than one there's a saying that it takes a village my saying is that it can start with one but it takes more than one to make it happen and of course there can be no more of us if it was not for the black woman the woman and the black woman gives us life as they birth us into this world and then they sustain us as we go through the world as we as men Provide and protect. Yes, that is the traditional role, and we're going to have a show right around Valentine's Day where we're going to talk about that. But, so ladies and gentlemen, the person who breathes life into this show and also helps sustains it is the one and only Mrs. Angela Thomas. Angela, welcome to to the show.
2: Hey, Rodney. Hey, whole world. It's me. I'm back. Must be Saturday again. Welcome to another fun, feel. <laughs> who knows what's going to happen, uh, adventure with the, Our Own Voices Live.
1: Well, you know, to the, going we've on got a this lot week, of though. territory to, to cover today. Uh, Angela's always, yours, involved in so many things in the community and doing things with,
0: with business.
1: And, of course, you have Needle on the Record. Needle on the Record, along with Our Own Voices Live, as a part of the Speak Up Network. We also have Rant Radio with Brother Thomas Berry to broadcast on Tuesdays. And we have Brother Lee Vaughn with Real Radio, Radio Established to Address Life that comes on Saturday mornings before us. Angela, what's some of the stuff you had going on this week?
2: Well, I got a big uh, interview coming up Monday. I'm interviewing Mr. Bob Johnson Uh the founder of oh, say BET. That,
1: say, say that again, Angela. you doing what? With who, when,
2: where? Monday morning I am talking with Bob Johnson, the founder of BET, of the BET Network, and billionaire, uh, owner of, I think he has a business in every business channel, um, every industry there is to to be in from finan- financial help, uh, automobiles. I will be talking to him about his latest venture. He has created Ur- the Urban uh, Movie Channel, which I'm in- enjoying this weekend. Uh, there's a 14-day free subscription. Basically, this is the black Netflix, Rodney. All black content, 24 hours a day, streamable on your television system I have a, a Apple TV so I subscribed and pulled up I love documentaries so I'm watching a doc I was watching a documentary right before I got on air uh, about the Sugar Hill gang called I Want My Name Back and gave the whole history of the Sugar Hill gang and their fight a uh, gang uh, and their fight to retain the the rights to their um their rap names that they had before they recorded with uh Sugar Hill Records. So it was a very interesting documentary. Anyway, um you guys check out the Urban Movie Channel. I can't wait to talk to Bob Johnson. If, you know, you guys have some questions that you would like for me to ask, you know, shoot me a email, hit me on Facebook, uh send the ch- the question into our, our own voices. Um Facebook page, and I will try to get them in.
1: Wow! I mean, that ex- deserves all kinds of applause and standing ovation. Ooh wee! That's that's pretty powerful, and and this is like history month, and this is a time for us to reflect back, and but also. For, Talk to those people who were there. You know, if you want to be a billionaire, maybe you don't want to talk to the guy that's broke. I mean, it's okay to learn from his mistakes, but also learn from the guy who's been there and done that. This is wow, excellent opportunity. And keep us posted, if you can post a link to the, uh, uh, the this new media outlet of uh, Robert Johnson, do I will that, put
2: it on the Facebook. Uh, yeah, I will put it put put a link to the urban movie channel on our facebook page please check it out and support it i think this is a, a wonderful uh opportunity i i just joined myself there's a year subscription a special uh rate going on for 29 29.99 um all sorts of black plays black movies black television shows if you like stand-up comedies got all the hot comedians from Kevin Hart to uh, just anybody you could think of. And and it's steady growing. It's growing and it's growing and it's growing. So we're going to talk uh, about the Urban Movie Channel, but we're also going to talk about um, business and how to do it right, what his thoughts are on um technology and the, and now that he's in the digital space what he plans to do what else does he plan to do with this platform because for me this looks like an excellent opportunity to give independent artists a platform and an outlet to put content up that um can be shown to you know the world so i I just think it's a, a a great start.
1: And Angela, is there a do you know do you know what do you know what the web address is for that?
2: Uh, UMC dot com. But let me double check that. Uh, I will pull it up and and uh, say it on on the air in in just a minute.
1: Yeah, because that's something but, that I, I know I'm going to get a subscription uh, shortly after the show ends today. I want to sort of immerse myself in it while are all in it. I want to be covered up with the information and knowledge that's provided there. And I would encourage you all to do that because Black History Month is what we have to make sure that we celebrate and remember. But really every day we should be celebrating and remembering. And for for I those of you out that. there who want to call in, give us a call three four seven eight two six nine six zero zero three four seven eight two six nine six and the zero zero
2: absolutely and the um web, web address is the urbanmoviechannel.com. dot com so urbanmoviechannel.com. dot com Will take you right there. You get your free fourteen day subscription, and you, you before you sign up, you can you know take a look at what he has to offer uh, for the folks that have already cut the cable cord. Man, I can see why D- between this and Netflix or whatever this and YouTube. I mean, jeez. it's it's hardly necessary to pay the cable bill anymore. So many wonderful options out here now.
1: Hey, that sounds so good. You know, we, we we do have quite a bit to cover today and we may do some more of our weekly update. Uh one of the things I wanted to mention is that in this uh probably next weekend or next week, I'm not sure if we're gonna do it on a regular schedule show or on an upcoming show, but we're gonna do a show on the values of traditional marriage, the values of traditional marriages. We're also going to post later today a book review for Black History Month. You're going to see at least a weekly book review come up about or associated with Black History Month. So we want to try to hit Black History Month really hard. You know, oftentimes when we talk about Black History Month and we celebrate Black History Month, it's sometimes done at events where we have drums playing, where we have, what. Well, some people would call traditional African, uh, and then there's mm-hmm. what we African-Americans call African dance. I've often wondered, is it true African dance, or is it African-American interpretive dance? And not that one is any less or any greater than the other, but it's just good to know, is it? And some of the things that we say are African. Is it really African? Or is it our interpretation of African? As an example, oftentimes we'll hear brothers say that if you are a Christian, then you have lost the African that was in you. Sometimes they will say things, just so many things that we say, so many things that we may do. Is it really African? Well, as much as we may try to put on events and to show African culture, oftentimes it's very difficult to show something that you have not seen. Sometimes it's very difficult to show something when you have never been there amongst the people living as they normally do and not as we would suspect that they do. Well, there are many tours that takes trips to Africa, and here in Las Vegas, we have the same. We have tours that go to Africa. We have one of our very own Miss China Hudson who has won an opportunity or has been awarded an opportunity to go to china excuse me to Africa specifically, <laughs> specifically to Ghana and to get a chance to just immerse herself in african culture and then we're going to use her qu Once she does that, we're going to use her corporate knowledge that she brings it back and shares it with the community. Many people know her from the uh, West Las Vegas Library Arts Center and and Theater, which is uh, uh, dance instruction associated with African culture. She has a rite of passage that has references to African culture. Well, she's going to Africa, and she's going to actually get some of that African culture and bring it back to enhance and expand the many programs that she's involved with. And we have someone on the air today that is actually going to share some information about this trip, talk a little bit about Africa and Ghana, and hopefully tie this all into our celebration of Black History Month, or as it's officially called, African American History Month. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome Sister Deshaun Muhammad. Welcome to the show, Sister.
3: Oh, thank you so much for having me. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Welcome to the show. Thank you.
1: You know, you, I, I've known you for some time. I've seen you come to occasion rank, and you are <laughs> uh, often very uh, quiet in public, but constantly making things happen. Uh, Tell us a little bit about you and how you got involved with these trips now tours uh to Africa and then tie that all in with Miss China Bill.
3: Oh, I'd be happy to, thank you. Um, well let's say I'm from the San Francisco Bay Area, San Francisco specifically, and I've been in the Las Vegas area now since two thousand four, came here with mm-hmm. my family. Um, Right before I came to Las Vegas, I was actually um, invited to stay in Ghana, West Africa, um, for an extended period of time. I went with my children, and we went there, and we stayed about a year. But prior to that invitation, how I got there was on a tour um, by the invitation of Dr. Wade Nobles, who was at that time the chair for the Black Studies Department at San Francisco State University, and he had been taking these tours and African Americans from all over the country, mainly in the educational sector, lots of professors and stuff like that, and students um, for eight years when I, when I came on board. Um, and so I went on his tour with him. And while I was there, I met a traditional priest in his family who invited me to come back and stay an extended period of time. And I jumped at the opportunity during that year's stay. I became very good friends with the family, lived on their compound, um, studied the culture, um, Working on some of the activities, um, agriculture and, and water programs that they had going at the time, and we became family. So I would come and go and come and go so often that people began to ask me, well, when you go the next time, can I go? And and then the word got up, and so that's how I started uh, taking tours back myself. And so I'm really excited because after almost 20 years now, this is the first time that I'm actually offering a scholarship for a community leader to participate on that tour. And I'm really excited that Ms. China Hudson um, will be the first. As she has, like you said earlier, she's demonstrated um, through African dance, she's demonstrated through mentorship, and she's demonstrated through so many different programs um, that she does in this community that she's worthy. And I, I, I'm just really excited about it. So that's, that's a little bit of the history of these tours.
1: So I guess as African-Americans, we have our Afro-American view of Africa. And did you have a specific view of Africa and Africans before you got there? And what some of the things that you found to be true and maybe some areas where you found that maybe you had it, well, all wrong?
3: Well, let me just say this. I've always throughout my whole life been a very, very open um individual. I came up, born and raised in San Francisco, a very, very liberal city. I call it a society because it's so much different than any of the places that I've been on the planet. I just love San Francisco. I'm not just being biased because I was born and raised there, but it's just a very liberal city so Being born and raised, I've always been open. So to answer your question, no, I didn't really have um, any preconceived notion of what it would be like. However, I must say this, I've always been surrounded by educators that um, gave me, you know, a a pretty realistic vision of not only Africa but who I am as a black woman. So that helped me tremendously. So when when I went, I was just open to whatever I would experience and, and just looking forward to the opportunity.
1: So what what did you experience, what did you see that you had not seen here or maybe read about or in some cases hadn't read about?
3: Well the first thing I noticed just right off the bat from getting off the plane that I was I was immersed in a black society. I mean here in America this is a melting pot of people from all over the world but when you get to Africa, Ghana specifically, you're in a society that's um predominantly, you know, black and black people are everywhere. So from the sights, from the sounds to the smells, your senses are just just Overwhelmed with with everything that is different. It's it's not like here at all. So you um, actually step out of one culture and then you're immersed and embraced and 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 blanketed in a, in a total different culture. So I I appreciate um, Ghana for for that experience each and every time I go. But the other thing is that you're conscious the whole time that you're there that you're in an environment not that not only is, is all black, but it's it's governed by the people who live there. For a little over 50 years now, Ghana has been an independent nation and is much different from here. So all the systems that you experience are are by design by the people who live there, which is much different than here. So a lot of entrepreneurship from everything. The healthcare systems are all created um, by the people who, who who are native to that country.
1: You know, as you mentioned entrepreneurship, is there anything different about the way Africans, or specifically folks in Ghana, do business uh, compared to how we do business here in America or in the West in general?
3: Well, absolutely. I mean, because that is that is the order of the day. Doing for self is the order of the day. So the children come up in an environment where 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 that's precedent. So it's it's kind of uncommon to really get a job and and work for somebody else is not it's not the norm whereas here it is the norm i mean pretty much we're taught through the public um system school system that we we grow up and we go to school and then we go to college and then we get a job but for a child to experience from very early on doing for sale watching his parents you know get up and go farm and then sell the products or his his mother get up every morning and go to the market and and he's he's on her back and he's experiencing all the the, the trading that's happening, it's it puts you in a total different mindset. So yes, absolutely to answer your question, absolutely.
1: And then when you come back to America after experience experiencing, I'm kind of jumping ahead. This was was going to be my last question, but I can't wait. <laughs> but. When you come back to America after leaving an environment where the majority of people look like you and Mm -hmm. maybe act more like you want to act but Mm -hmm. possibly not able to in America, what is that like to come back to
0: America?
3: Well, let me say for me, each and every time it's time for me to go back, I experience – you know uh, a level of depression that is is just what it is it's I get depressed when it's time for me to come back here but i'm I'm also reminded of you know why I have to come back and how important it is for me to introduce um other people to that Ghana experience and not just ghana um eventually, I'd like to take trips all over the world doing the same thing because i I think it's important that we have experiences that are other. Um, than just the American experience, you know. The whole earth is our home. You know, as human beings, we live on a planet, not just in a city somewhere. But we are um, human beings that that live on planet Earth, and we should be exposed to it.
1: Culture is often and identified is often identified by food.
3: <laughs>
1: talk a little bit about the foods that they have here that maybe we don't have here. The preparation of it if there's any meaning besides the foods or dishes and how foods are grown and cultivated there.
3: Okay, well, let me say this. Um in Ghana, corn is is one of the the main um items that's consumed and they prepare corn in many different ways. Um they have, you know, there's chicken and and you know, they have some goat. You don't see a lot of people eating um a whole lot of meat but you know some some people do um I don't see any beef i I, have, I don't think i've ever in my experience seen any cows walking around in Ghana I've seen sheep and i've you know been at places for various ceremonies like weddings and stuff where you know there was a sheep or goat um that was prepared for a ceremony but i've never i've never experienced um i've never experienced any you know any beef or anything like that um Fruits, fresh fruits, you have your, you know, pineapples or a big crop. Pineapples are a big crop. You also have mm, mangoes or another big crop. Bananas are grown. So a lot of lot of things you can get lettuce, you know, I've, I've eaten salads and lots of rice and, and those sorts of things. So, you know, and sauces made with, you know, tomatoes and different things.
1: Well, yeah, the flavor. That's what I want to get to. Is the flavor, the texture, and the appearances, fruits and vegetables there, what we're used to seeing here in America?
3: Pardon me, repeat that, please.
1: Are the flavors, the appearance, and even the the textures of the fruits and vegetables in Ghana in Africa, are they the same as here in America, or are are they different?
3: So they're different in that they're fresher, you know, you're you're you you're you're picking things, you know, straight off the farm, you know, they're not um being imported, so they're grown right there, you know. A lot of our the foods that we get in, you know, are, are imported. So by the time they get to the supermarkets where we're used to eating these you know, the produce and and, 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 and all these things it's it's it tastes different. So yes, anytime you um grow something in its natural environment and then you consume it while it's still alive it's it tastes better it tastes different so absolutely uh,
1: did you ever see or, or eat something and go wow i didn't realize it tasted this way or wow it's actually that color
3: absolutely bananas that was for me um the first thing that i noticed um first of all the size of the bananas that they were they're a little bit smaller than the ones that are are grown here and just the the taste was just so much more vibrant and, and, you know, it was like, Wow. Now, this is a banana, this is what it tastes like. And they like to um complement bananas with um what they call groundnuts, which are peanuts and you you know, you buy a little um stack it and it just looks like a little plastic bag of the of the groundnuts and then you have your little bunch of bananas and you bite the banana and you put a few groundnuts in your mouth and oh my goodness, what a treat.
1: <laughs> uh almost had me wishing I could taste some of that. Being a, a, a farm boy, originally I do have a, a, a slight sense of what it is to go into the garden or for us to go into the field and pick a an ear of corn or go into the garden and get a cucumber and in the morning dew when it's still cool, it's almost like getting it out the refrigerator and just sort of snapping it open and, and eating it. it. It's refreshing. Uh, mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Now,
1: let's, now let's get to this goat thing because I've recently started I've recently sampled some t- traditional african food and i noticed that uh-huh. goat tends to be used quite a bit and mm-hmm. you just said that you don't really see uh you don't really see cattle there and maybe maybe that's mm-hmm. the reason why but have you found that you now have an affinity for goat even back here in america
3: well, right now, I'm not eating meat, um, but when I did try goat in Africa and the way it was prepared, I did enjoy it i mean it was it was prepared well, it was prepared in the stew and it it was quite tasty yes
1: and and speaking of that, let's oh go ahead.
2: I was just gonna say I have had very well prepared goat myself. In Chicago, we have a big taco culture, and a lot of the Ecuadorian uh, restaurants I would go to, they serve goat. In fact, uh, there's one uh, particular restaurant on the south side of Chicago that has been all over the food network. They're kind of becoming very well-known. I thought it was our little secret, but um, very well-known for uh the ways that they pre- the way that they prepare goat. Um, a lot of our Jamaican restaurants in Chicago also um prepare delicious goat. So yeah. Pretty good when it's done well.
1: Well, sister Deshaun, let's talk a little bit about mm-hmm. the lifestyle that the folks over there live. what's the similarities to uh the lifestyles of folks in Ghana that you know, comparatively, comparatively speaking to to America, if there is any comparison, and what's any the comparison. family structure like? Do they have a lot of the same issues as we have here? You know, we have in the African-American community about, I believe, a 70 to 72% uh, divorce rate. Uh, we have people who are not as willing to marry. Just what is the family like there?
3: Oh, I'm, I'm glad that you asked that question because when we say um family and we're talking about Africa, we're talking about not just the nuclear family, but a very extended family. Um, and that can it it can be from actual, you know, biology or it can be extended to very, very, very close friends and family of a of a particular nuclear family. For example, the compound that I live on when I'm there there's about sixty people who live on that compound and everything from preparing meals and and taking care of the children and 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 um the way that they, they cooperate in making money and all these things happen collectively is a lot different than here, how we grow up and we're we're taught okay, when you're eighteen you grow up, you know, you get enough money so that you can so you get up, you grow up and you get enough money so that you can get your own place and and move out, move out by your own, on your own. So it's a lot different. So, you know, and that's the family structure is one of the things that I really like to, when I take people back on the tours, I like them to observe because it's so much different than here. And I think just, just looking at how the cooperation happens in Ghana, it, it really, it, 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 it causes a shift in our, our, you know, in our mentality. When we come back and we see how how individual we are, when we're not, by nature, we're not a people like that. That is not our way. It's definitely an adoptive way of being.
1: Well, as you mentioned that, how, uh, do they have a high marriage rate? What age do they, if if they do get married, at what age? Is it plural marriages? Is it uh the more traditional American style marriages, or is it a combination?
3: It's definitely a combination, and I would say that. Um, I mean, I I've never done a study on it, so as a sociologist, for me to answer a question like that, like what's the rate of you know of ages, I would really need to have all the data. But I have seen in in my experience, and and again, the compound that I live on, and you know just. And people that I that I personally know that it, it 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 ranges, you know, marriage ranges when people feel that they are ready. People have various things that they want to accomplish before they get married, like here. So that would be something that um, is similar to here, you know, when a person feels that they are ready to marry. At what age that they do it? Um, but I would say this is that once they do make the decision to marry, in my again in my own personal experience. I've seen the marriages last. And not only that, how it's set up is that when you marry, you're marrying a family, and there's, there's you know, great counseling that goes into it. You have an entire community that holds the bride and the groom accountable to what they said that they were stepping into collectively, and it's just different. You have a different support mm-hmm. system that supports the family structure and the marriage.
1: Mm-hmm. So what could us Americans, what would you suggest us Americans might be able to learn from uh, their their marriage and marriage structure, family structure? Do they seem to be, as an example, we're told that they are much stronger? Uh, We often hear in America it takes a village to raise a child, and we say that that's an old African proverb. Do you see that in uh, Africa, and is it as we describe it here?
3: Oh, I absolutely do see it, but I think that, you know, some of the the African proverbs that we use here is more of a cliche until we really experience it. When we say it takes a village to raise a child here, we're more so talking about, okay, the community. You know, I step in as the teacher, and I I might step in as as the uncle, and I might step in as a mentor, but at the end of the day, that child goes back to that nuclear family where they just live alone with their parents in their in their household, so that 's a lot different when than when you are in Africa and there is a community there's there's a community and then there is an environment that actually supports that, which means that while we are cooperating with one another on the compound, and there are sixty of us present um while maybe. 10 or 11 of the adults are are going out to the market to to sell the produce that we all just harvested a day ago there is maybe three or four women that are over there taking care of all the children in the community while this is happening within the compound while this is happening so it's it's not just it's not just um outside of how they live um all the time. It's it's a 24-hour way of being. It's not just sometimes. So that's a little different than how we experience it in our communities here.
1: Hmm. And uh, our, I, I guess how is the, again, because I've never been to Africa, but I've often heard so many things about it.
0: What oh, is you the have
1: relationship? to yeah, Well, Well, um, you know, you, you got me thinking about getting a ticket.
0: Uh, uh, <laughs> you what have is to the come.
1: relationship? of a child to their father, a child to their mother? What is the relationship to the uh, woman of the house and the man of the house? Again, we hear so many things here. I even hear some people say that the way marriage is done in America, uh, uh, traditional, the way marriage was done, made a woman subservient, and, and that American women, they submit to their men, which is not how it's done in Africa. What is it actually like? In in you've been to Ghana, and this is just from your your personal experience. What is it like?
3: Well, you asked me a few questions. First, you asked about um, you know the role of the the father and the mother and family. It's, it's a lot different. The 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 disrespect that you see just in general, um, and I'm an educator, so I see it in the public school system, and I see it in my own household sometimes with my own children, and it's just a, a different way of being. When you are in in, in Ghana, you never hear um, of of children um, behaving in that way. There's, there is the utmost respect for the people that are rearing you. I mean, I've seen children... Who, when the parents were scolding them, they were so humbled and and wanting to shift and so apologetic that they were actually down on their knees, asking their parents to forgive them for you know what they did, what they did to to hurt you know to hurt their feelings or whatever it was. So it's just it's a total way of being. It's a, it's a total different mindset. I mean, they're taught it in school and it's it's constant and it's consistent all across the board all over and it's just different. It's just totally different.
2: Now that was my question. How in your observation, your many trips there, how do you as a sociologist, as an educator, how do you see um the the family members and members of community, how is that instilled in children to be so humble that if they had a transgression they had upset their parents? that they would be on their knees begging forgiveness. How do, how do you see um, in their structure, how, how are they instilling
3: that in their children? They're instilling it by their, by their example. I mean, again, just like I was talking about the entrepreneurship earlier, if this is an environment that you are raised in and you have, you're living on a compound or in, a, in an environment where there's more than just two adults, and maybe um, three, you know, sibling, three or four siblings or more, behaving in a certain way. You're, 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 you know, you're living amongst sixty or seventy people, and this is the way of being, and this is the way that you're raised. That's what you see. So you, you, you know, we're 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 products of our environment. And so, how is it but still there? Must it? be.
2: I, I I agree with that, but there's there's no. Um, tangible tools that
3: I've seen spanking. Spanking does happen. Mm -hmm. I've seen, I've seen scolding, you know, so, you know, disciplines um, um, that are not barbaric, you know, not barbaric, but that actually check, um, you know, check behaviors that are not, that are not um, productive and not, um, you know, they're not productive to that environment that the child lives in. So,
1: Okay well as so let's talk about that um the relationship of the man of the house and the woman of the house, something that we're having a lot of difficulty and quite a bit of strife with here in America in general and specifically in the african American uh home. What is that relationship like, and what is its foundation?
3: I'm sorry, can you repeat that question?
1: What is the relationship of the man and woman of the house? What is its foundation and then what impacts does that have on the rest? Well,
3: I would say that the father, um, there is a father of, of the household. There's always a head of the household. And the father pretty much governs all the way down. So, you know, the instruction comes down primarily from the father, and then everybody else supports um, a lot of the decisions that are made as a collective. But, I've, I mean, I've been on the compound and, and sat there, and, and the head of the household calls, you know, he calls community meetings, and, you know, people are sitting down there talking about various issues that are affecting or what they need to do, and and, and it works out. I don't see um, – there's not a lot of bickering or argument um, people do have input, and 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 there is consideration taken. But for the most part, as head of the household, you know he's making decisions and pretty much driving the ship, as as one might say. Mm.
1: Now, see that that sort of surprises me and uh, caught me just a tad bit a tad bit off guard because, again, some of the things that we hear in America is that the way that we do things is a is a European centric way. And one oftentimes one of the things that's described is a man as the head of the house, and what you just said is that is how it's done in Africa. But is it done differently though? Maybe it's different to- than well, how well, we I'm, do it here.
3: Yeah, because I'm I like to look at the end result, what's being produced. That's the bottom line. What 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 is being produced? What is what is why is he the head of household? Why you know um, have people and individuals selected to live in this environment with this particular person? Why is he you know this woman's husband? What is what is it about this man and how is he shown up in the world and taking care of of the people that he that you know are and his are in his company? So when I think about you know where I live, I'm looking at what's being produced. So. I'm looking at land, you know, I'm looking at um, wealth that's being accumulated. I'm looking at all these things that are um, triggered from the ideas and the minds of this particular person. So, yeah, it it is a little different when – it is a little different when i'm when i when i when i observe here and and again back to how we live and there's one family you know there there's one family and you know maybe maybe the only thing that man owns is is the three bedroom house that he's purchased he owns no land you know he, so all these things make a difference you know he's he's not active in his community he's not a king he's not a chief you know he is just governing his his own particular household, not a whole, um, you know, um, region, you know. So these these it's a little bit different, you know. We don't we don't you know a lot of us don't own a lot of land and and these types of things, you know. We own a car maybe. We might own a business. You know, we might own a house. We might own a few houses, but we don't we don't. Um, I don't think that you know. In my experience, again. The production is different, which supports um a different way of being.
1: are there expectations of the man or woman uh prior to marriage uh things that they're expected to have or to achieve uh is there a process of marrying someone there that might be a little different from from here Do you go through the family is it uh, just the two individual decisions?
3: Oh, absolutely, yes. That whole process is different. Here, you know, I grew up in in a community where, you know, you grow up and then you meet somebody and you think their first thing that is is the physical attraction and you like that person. You might like a few things about them. Sometimes you don't even meet their family at all. And then you make a decision, I love this person and let's get married. Well in Ghana there's a whole different process there's a tradition um that takes place where the man he'll go and he'll knock and knocking is a process by which he has to take specific gifts to the 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 wife's family and then ask permission of the father and the uncle to marry her you know and then they have to consider his family and 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 and, and the amount of wealth that they have in that family do they have land you know, do they have um goats? Do they have are they farming? What are they doing? What are they doing to how can they take care of this, this young lady? Is he worthy? And and then the that young girl, though she might love him, she she values the opinion of her father and the and the ones that she's raised with so much that she she listens. You know, a lot of times here in America, it doesn't matter what 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 the parents have to say about who that child is selecting to um, be, get into a relationship, but they do it anyway. But in, in Ghana, they really take that um, into consideration. I might love you. I might, I might find you worthy, but let's go see what my father has to say. And a lot of times the father how, knows how that do, family. How,
2: that's my question. How does she get to a point where she may decide that hey this is a person I would like to take before my father and my uncles or my
3: uncle. Well they see them in the community, you know, there's there's social gatherings. Somebody might introduce somebody to someone. I mean there's 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 it's a social environment. So just like you um, might meet somebody here, and you know, but then the next step is if there is some kind of interest, I'm going to take you to my family, and they're going to have to um, assess and evaluate and, and weigh in see on see how yeah weigh in on it and see how now these families are going to be able to work together, because again, when I marry, I'm not separating from my family, you know, I'm not separating from my family. I, I have to now become an asset to um, the family. Especially, specifically, I'm talking about the woman now that I'm I'm being brought into. So, the woman she leaves her father's household, and now she's going to her husband's household, and she's going to take on responsibility in that household. So, with that being said, now the the mother and the father have the responsibility from a very early age of making her worthy. Can she? Can she sew? You know, can she cook? You know, can she rear children? You know a lot of the feminine roles that some people might call, oh, that's chauvinistic, you know women shouldn't always do. no there there are specific roles that are respected everybody 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 has everybody has their role in the society
1: well, speaking of that again, I want to, this is so interesting to me, and i if I know you're let me know how much time that we have. Uh, left with you, what what is when in in the home, the woman has you mentioned the man's responsibilities in the home. Can you get a little more into detail in what the woman does in general? What is life like for a woman who is with a man in the home?
3: Okay, let me let me start from again because it starts from childhood. Let's 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 okay. let's start from there. Okay. So you you know, you look at little girls. I mean, I'm I'm there on the compound and a little girl's getting ready for school. You know, before she goes to school she might prepare breakfast for um, you know, other people in the compound or even her own siblings. I'm talking about maybe somebody seven or eight. She's being taught these things at a very early age. Um, you know, and then, you know, there's chores that start at five o'clock in the morning. You might see, you know, um Ama sweeping the north end of the compound while Quajo is at the south end of the compound, you know, and everybody has their section of the compound to sweep. And you hear this at five o'clock in the morning and then you start smelling the food. And then, you know, maybe later on after, after they come from school, you know, now you see the, the young girls washing clothes with their mother. So it's, 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 it's happening. They're doing it together. It's not like, you know, I go home and, and and i prepare my dinner by myself and i feed my family no this is this is a cooperation so the children are assisting in the whole process they're learning you know from a very early age to to cooperate in an environment that's collective and not like we are so um separate and independent
0: mm.
3: so people wow, people people learn people, People learn at a very early age that what I do matters to not just myself but to the whole, and and, and they're taught at a very early age that I am a component of the whole, and I need to do my part. I need to master my part so that the whole can be functional and dynamic.
1: So what are some of the things that you do hear? You mentioned some of the things that we have. What's some of the things that you hear is almost a de facto truth here in America about African society, especially when they compare it to African-Americans?
3: That that it's it's uncivilized and barbaric. And I, I don't just get that from African-Americans, but I, I get that from a lot of places. Recently we interviewed um, some people in San Francisco. We just asked them, when you think about Africa, what comes to mind? And a lot of people say, oh, you know, the animals, you know, and then, it was real what really got me is I wanted I said, Okay, so if you if you had your choice to go to any country in Africa, where would you go? And majority of them couldn't name one country. Because a lot of people think that Africa is just is just one country, but not knowing there's only fifty countries in Africa with different cultures, with different languages. You know, so you know, we don't know much about Africa. And then when you talk about the Afri- African American you know, what? a lot of us are brought from that place. We don't know much about Africa. But if you figure the people that are teaching us about Africa in our public school systems don't know much about Africa, then how can we expect to know much about Africa? Thus, that's why it's, it's such a passion for me to take these tours and, and expose people to where we come from. Now, And then the relationships that are developed um, out of building those bridges across cultures, they, you know, they, they range. I mean, people have gotten married. People have started businesses, you know, because they they are dying to meet us there. I mean, literally, they really, really want to meet us. They really, really, really want to meet us. And the governments make it so difficult for them to get visas to travel here. And, and a lot of times we don't want to go there. A lot of times we don't want to go there.
1: Speaking of them, how do they refer to us? I, w- I was talking to with some of our uh, some Africans just the other night, and they said when we come to Africa, when when African Americans come to Africa, they said it they can determine pretty quick that we're American. And what I did was I asked them. I said, "Well, do they see us as African American or do they see us as American?" And they see us as American. There it is. That's exactly what he said. He says, "Well, no, we just we see you as American,"
3: and to the point uh, that they call us Obronine. They, I mean, they call us Obr Obronine, which is white lady, white man. And it's not so much how we how is white lady, white man. And it's not so much what we what they see. You know, it's not so much our skin color. No, it's 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 the mindset and how they think of us. So that's why that's why they call us Obermine.
1: Wow, I, I, so that's yeah. not a very flattering term. I'm I'm gathering.
3: No, it's not very flattering. It's not a very a very flattering term. But they're conscious of you know that we come, African Americans come with a certain mindset. Hmm. All right. That is not. That well. is that is not. I'm so sorry. But there, I'm so sorry, but I have children here that I have to attend to. Can I call back in?
1: Uh, y- yes, you can. We're gonna, we'll are gonna we move on to something else, education. Please. Take care of the family. All Please. right. Thank, thank you so, so much. much.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Wow, Angela. Well, first of all, let's do a station ID. You're listening to Our Own Voices Live. I am your host, Rodney Smith. with
0: And I'm my Angela host. Thomas. This
1: is, and w- today we're talking about Mrs. Miss China goes to Africa and we had Sister Deshawn Muhammad who's taken several trips to Africa actually been adopted into a family in Ghana and that's where Miss China is going. Miss China is a person who's involved in the community here teaching uh African culture, African dance also has a uh some programs for uh children uh, uh rites of passage programs. Oftentimes she's at the Las Vegas Library Arts Center and Theater uh, performing, teaching, and being actively involved with the community. There are many people who talk about it, but she's not one who just talks about it. She's one that actually does it. You can give us a call at 347-826-9600, 347-826-9600. Press option one or the one on your keypad that lets us know that you're not just listening, but that you that you also have a a question or a comment. Uh, some of the other things that we wanted to talk about today, as we're waiting for Sister uh, Deshaun to to maybe call back in, is there was a African American Youth Summit uh, just last evening, and it was uh, primarily hosted by. The uh, Clark County Black Caucus Here in Las Vegas With Miss uh, Mrs. Yvette Williams as the chair uh, Ms. Lisa Mosley uh, Being one of the her, her strong right hand uh, Mr. Tony Hickman And so many others that made this thing work And also they had a special guest From the White House uh, Mr. David Johns Was there And a Dynamic, young man, really did a great job uh, MCing the event, getting the children involved. And, Angela, I'm talking this was a powerful event. Uh, I was asked to participate in a breakout session, and what they did was they asked all of the adults to come forward, and they separated the adults. I think it was about 12 different groups, and it had one adult facilitator, The other adults who were a part of the group, they were just there to sit and listen, to be with them. And that was a powerful thing because it was definitely youth-centered, student-centered, and the facilitator would ask them questions, give them time to answer it. And after that, he opened the floor up for them to ask questions or to make comments Uh, following that. The strongest speaker was asked to summarize the comments and the questions and then present those at the end of the event. And after each person from each group presented that, they were told to ask a question to the adults and answer that part, as powerful as the rest of it had been. That part where the children. Summarize what had happened in their breakout groups, but then posed a question to the adults. I am so thankful that PBS was there to record it because that's something that needs to be broadcast, not only to the Las Vegas Valley, for that matter, in Nevada, but truly to the rest of the country uh, because there were some very powerful things that came out from those young people's mouths.
2: Hmm, as.
1: One of the things that they said was that the teachers don't give them a chance to speak, that they don't feel like they have an opportunity to speak, uh, that they don't feel like they have an opportunity to ask the question. And one young lady says, well, that question that I may want to ask, there may be someone else who has the same question. Has
2: the same question, yeah.
1: They become afraid to ask it. So oftentimes because of the way that, teacher may present themselves, they don't present themselves as open to questions, and children tend to clam up. Uh, another another very important thing that happened is one of the members says, we need more teachers. And she asked the students to raise their hand of who would like to become a teacher. And, Angela, this was something that you had to see, and I hope that you all will get to see it on film. Because there were very few hands that went up. I think of the children in front of us, there was one, maybe two at the most. And then of the young people in the audience, it was so few that you would have to take a while to look over the room to see. Well, that's, that's shocking. And we should be alarmed by it. As we often say, we want more of our own to teach our own. If this was any indication, it wasn't a scientific uh, survey uh, and research, uh, not by any means, but it is a, it it should get our attention if nothing else, that our children are so disenchanted with the school and educational system that they don't want to be educators themselves.
2: Not surprised by it.
1: Mr. David Johns uh, is, you know, works out of the White House He's the uh, executive director For the White House Initiative on education And he likes to make sure That we, you know, give his title And I believe in it. we should do it uh, He he really got the he, he brought the young people Helped them find themselves And their voice To share it uh, We had the uh, uh, superintendent uh, Pat Sierkowski uh, was there we had uh, some uh, council Las Vegas City Councilman Ricky Barlow was there and spoke, uh, Dr. Linda Young, uh, the Clark County School Board trustee was there and and spoke and filled the questions. Uh, Dr. Robert Green, uh, the education coordinator with the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr., was there. We had history in the house. So we had those things there, but it was definitely youth-centered, children-centered. And one of the other things they talked about was that, they don't get to learn, uh, and, and Sister Deshawn Muhammad, she she touched on it. She said they don't get to learn about themselves. They don't get to learn uh, about the contributions of Africans or African-Americans. And they said to them, it's like history started in America with slavery. And they said they don't, you know, they know about, uh, you know, the, the ones that, whose names we often hear about. But they said for the most part, they don't know about themselves. That is something that we should also be ready to move on because they almost pleaded for it. And I can tell you, Angela, I had wanted to speak on that uh, because after each child Mm -hmm. spoke, an adult was supposed to give a response or something. No one spoke on it, zero. And I'm looking for the microphone, and I guess they probably just didn't see me because it was in a bunch, But they went through a couple of other students, and I finally got the microphone, and I went back to that person's question because of all the people, that was the one person that didn't get addressed, and they brought up what may have been as important as anything else that was mentioned last week.
2: Well, I'm glad the conversation was was broached.
1: Angela, it was needed. The Clark County Black Caucus really should be applauded for putting this on. Hopefully this will be an annual, at least an annual event, but with follow-up, you know, of these things. I say quarterly
2: event and and some follow-up in that quarter. Hey, this is where we left off. These are the things that we've done. And, you know, let's let's check the next thing off the agenda. That's awesome.
1: So hopefully... That'll be uh, either broadcast on PBS, or we'll have access to some of the clips. But that clip of those young people standing before us and sharing their thoughts, and then asking us some very pointed questions—some uh, questions that you wouldn't think that they ask—is how do we get scholarships? Uh, and here's one that I think sort of got people doing the Arsenio, hmm, because the ju- children says. Why do we learn things that we may never use again in life? Mm-hmm. How is this relevant? Or can you make it relevant so we can see
2: why we learn it and it's why an we're doing it? Yeah. Well, that's an A-no that, question. <laughs> that's a question we've been, children have been asking for a while with, with school. Why are we, why are we, uh, wrecking our brains to stuff this in there and what am I going to use it for later what is this in reference to that's a question that's been floating for a while and it's a shame we as adults have not addressed it
1: Uh, one of the things uh, or change the school
2: system where kids are getting stuff that they need that they can use
1: one of the things that uh, the school children ask is can someone tell me the relevance of learning the Pythagorean theorem. He says, why why is that relevant to me? Why is that relevant what what is the relevance to my everyday walk of life? And basically saying it was this is something that maybe is more specialized. And the response that was given and I hope that you all will be able to hear that, the young lady says, Well because we build pyramids and that's how it used to be done in ancient days. And, you know, there will probably be people who are doing some building today. And I thought when she said that, I wondered if this is what we use to build pyramids resonated with the children of today because we're not building pyramids today. We have one in Las Vegas. Uh, how How is that relevant to that student's uh, day-to-day Lifestyle. One child said, "Hey, I, a matter of fact, quite a bunch of them said we want more life skills. We want to be better prepared to start our lives." One young man said, "Hey, I'd like to know how to sew a button on." It's it, that's, wow. that's where these young people were, and it's almost as if we have ignored this need. Now, you know, on the show we have talked often about because our children often don't get the things that they need at home that the one place that they do go is schools and maybe we need to look at going sort of back to basics because those uh, those life skills was something that used to be taught in schools and we've moved away from it those children what they were saying last night is they want it back are we listening uh it it was the 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 African American Youth Summit by the Clark County Black was was empowering it was inspiring It was humbling because we have some work to do. Now, I did get a chance to talk to some teachers, and I asked the teachers what was the number one issue, especially with our children. And the teacher said the children just are not ready, said the the majority of them come, and they're just truly not prepared They're not ready. And one teacher who didn't want to, You know, use his name. He didn't want to say anything negative, but what he did say was it's almost as if we have to let the children that are going through the system now go through the system while we refocus our resources on the next ones coming up because the ones who are coming through the system now, there may not be much we can do to help them. That grabbed my attention, and it was almost a head snap. Well, we have a uh, Sister Deshawn well, you know back right. on
2: uh,
1: with us. I, I, I just want to
2: say this: if I personally became the statistic that every, every study, every teacher, every counselor every adult expert that crossed my path in my time in the school system if i became what they anticipated me to become i guess i'd be dead and in my grave long ago i just want to say to to that young man's observation of the children that he is a part of uh he he signed up and he's being paid to educate do it anyway do extra you may not think that what you're doing is working but what i hear from young people and what i hear from friends and family that are educators What I I assess in in both of those conversations is that there needs to be more care. And I just, from my experience in school, I'm a former dropout. I am a GED recipient. I am a teen mother. I was a single mother for a small portion of my um, motherhood. I am a survivor of domestic violence. I got a lot of titles that society says makes me whatever uh, unqualified, unwelcomed, un you know, unwhatever the part of the un. But I have achieved great things in my life because a I didn't give up, and b there were some people that didn't give up on me. And we have got to remember that these are lives that we're dealing with. And if you show a little love and care and concern, you'd be surprised what you get back and what you might help have a hand in in producing. You know,
1: Angela, the the students, Uh, said that they felt like a lot of teachers didn't care about them. But, again, I go back to when they asked the students which one and how many of them wanted to be educators themselves, uh, there was just a few hands. Uh, You know what I think that's in
2: response to, Rodney? I think that's in response to if it's like it is now, no, I don't want to be party to this. Crime being committed Against kids Where we're not even allowed to speak On Our own Well-being Just have a hand in This relationship That's supposed to exist I think that's what the What the lack of hands was in response to I wasn't there but I can tell you, I, I talk to a lot of young people that come in from their their school day. My own grandchildren uh, come in from their school day, and they're exhausted from the experience of being null and void, not being allowed. Oh. My, my grandson, I, and I talk about him off. But how can you get a, a B in listening and and A's and everything else? And when my my daughter goes to ask, what's this be about listening about? It's really about the teacher feeling that his desire to participate in class, because he knows the answer, because he read about it, because he came prepared, was disruptive to what she was trying to do. What are you supposed to do with that?
1: Well, Angela, one of the things that came out of it is that the adults are failing the children, and this is a report, and the children realize it. Hence, the children part maybe uh, possibly why they don't want to be educated. But What it was an indicator to me was that whatever problems that we have today, those problems will be exacerbated tomorrow because. More of our children, specifically, if if this indication from this summit of children, uh, if we can use that just as a thought uh, concept here, that if they don't mm-hmm. want to get involved in education, there's less of black people that will be involved in education. So some of the issues that we have of education, because there's less black, there's not enough black people involved. Potentially, there could be even uh-huh. less in the future which does not bode well for our children of the
2: teacher. For us, yeah. So
1: however we slice it and dice it, whether it's the the family, whether it's the teacher, whether it's the whatever it is. Or a combination of all of the above. It it is up to adults. It's not up to the children to fix it. It's up to the adults to fix it. And the children, Sister Deshawn says, uh, children learn that they start at an early age with chores and it's often what they see. Well, these children are seeing what they are seeing. And and she says, uh, it's sort of through the environment or, as we sometimes say, nurture. These children then adopt or build their concepts, their belief systems, their view of life because of those environments. And speaking of Sister Deshaun, uh, she is uh, back online with us. Uh, welcome back to the show, Sister. Did you get a chance
3: welcome to, to, the want to catch up
1: on the, where we are <laughs>
3: Yes, thank you so much. And let me make a, a public apology. My son, um, my six, one of my six-year-old twins smashed his fingers and he's standing there crying Aww. and bleeding. So I had to tend to him. So please excuse me for um, the break in our communication for that time period. Thank you.
2: Oh, that's okay.
3: Mommy duties never stop, do they? <laughs> Life is real. Life is real. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, uh, so did you get a chance to sort of catch up a little bit on on our conversation? We were actually talking about the African-American Youth Summit that they had last night and some of the things uh, that the children had had seen, some of the things that they said, some of the questions they had answered, and and they shared some of their feelings with us on education and even what they would like to get into education.
3: Wonderful. Yes, I I did hear some of that conversation. Yes, I did.
1: Uh, what, What is... Our children here seem to struggle with education. What about the children in Africa? Are they focused on education? Are they prepared for education? And how do the teachers respond to them?
3: Oh, my goodness. Education in Africa. Um, When I'm there, I make it a point to um, take the delegation that I'm traveling with to the schools for them to experience it themselves. Let me let me start mm-hmm. just let's just let's just start with the building structure. The the building might be just a little small, small, few rooms. Some of them don't even have doors. You have desks that are are are, are partly standing. You know, they don't have books, they don't have computers, they don't have all things, but what they do have is the attention of those students to take into themselves whatever that teacher is communicating. And part of that is just the res- the respect level that children have for adults. There's an adult standing in front of me that is giving me something. They're talking to me. Let me pay attention. That's there to start with. So immediately you notice that. Then you have students who are eager to go to school, walking to school, you know, they come back happy, they want to learn, and it's not Mm -hmm. free. It doesn't cost anything. I mean, here it's, you know, you go to public school, it's free. They have to pay school fees starting from pre-K all the way through secondary school. They're paying through college. They're paying, you know, and the sacrifices that are being made by, you know, the majority of people who don't make that much money. So that they can send up their children to school, so they can purchase, purchase uniforms, you know, so they can do all these things just so their child can be educated. It's taken seriously. They understand my education and what I learn is going to not only help me build the nation and contribute to the nation that I'm a part of, but it will take me other places as well. And they understand that, and they take advantage of it. You know, and and I've had so many conversations with children and adults that say, How come African American children, how come they don't want to go to school? It's free. I'll go. Can I go in their place? I'll go. Oh, wow. (laughs) I mean, I've heard that. So, can I go in their place? I'll go. You know, I want to go. How come they don't want to go to school? It's free. Wow, you know, and 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 they just cannot wrap their minds around that with computers, with cell phones, with all the technology, with the with the structures of the buildings, with the books, all these things that are made with all the resources to,
2: available. Why they would not all go? All the resources available. would not want why to they go. Would not
3: go. Yes, why they would not go. So,
1: you know, those, going back to the to the summit last night. One of the things that the children said that they thought they needed was they needed more up to date books and they needed new computers and more computers i'm just I'm just sort of comparing and contrasting that to what you just said about African children and what they don't have and mm-hmm. but the attitudes that they have with what they do have it's a stark contrast
3: absolutely. Oh, absolutely. And when, and, when you know, when I hear that, you know, we need more up-to-date computers. You know, we're talking about some people who don't even have books. You know, you got a lot of people um, here that are sending books back to, you know, Ghana, which is what we'll talk about a little bit later, some of the ways that we can participate in helping to build um, that, that country, helping to build and, and, and just, you know, working back and forth, which is part of the reasons why I do these tours. You know, there's just so much that we can learn from them and that, you know, resources that we have that we can certainly share with home. And I call it home because, yes, Africa is our home.
1: Well, as you that makes a good segue because this trip of Miss China, there's a GoFundMe page, I believe, uh, for Miss China. And it's been set up. It has uh, 22 people have raised some money in 21 days. Uh, They've raised, um, I'm on the page right now, $845. And on the page, the goal is $6,000. And I can see some of the donations. So what I wanted to tell everyone is there's going to be a link on the show page and on the Our Own Voices page for this GoFundMe initiative. And for those of you who can You know, I don't see any limit to how little you can donate, but please read over the page. And the reason for me wanting to do this, other than the fact and helping facilitate the trip, is that here's a woman who has dedicated a great portion of her existence into giving back to the African-American community with a unique emphasis on our youth, our greatest treasure. Now, maybe... Hmm. African Americans should look at how you are viewed in Africa a little bit more, because this is our treasure. We all cannot go to Africa, but we can send one of our own, who is not a person who talks about what she may do one day, but who's actively doing it today. As a matter of fact, she's probably doing it right now. So here's yes, an she opportunity is. for she us. She is. She absolutely is. Well, here's an opportunity for us to sort of put our money where our mouth is. Oftentimes, they say they can tell what a person truly values by what by what they're willing to share their wealth with, where their wallet goes. Here's an opportunity for our community to show Miss China one how much we appreciate her, but and and that's nice. But this is something for your child and for your child and for your child that one Mm -hmm. person can go, be immersed in the culture, learn it, and then bring it back and share it. Instead of us thinking that this is how they do it in Africa, say, I've been there, this is what I've seen, and this is how it's actually done. So go to the GoFundMe page. There's a link now on the Our Own Voices page. Uh, Check that out. And I want you to I want you to donate. And I hope that you all, uh, I know we're running a little long, but next week we're going to check the page again, and we're going to continue to check the page. Mm-hmm. And we're going to talk about, uh, not as much, but we're going to hit on this because I've, that number is at $800. And it's been 21 days. Somebody do the math because that doesn't come out to that much money per day. And surely we can do better than that for one of our own that does so much for us and that will be able to do even more for us, especially our children. We want to see that go up because I'm sure when you send your child there, you're expecting her to share her knowledge. This will help her have even more knowledge to share and will benefit your children and our community. Uh, Sister Deshawn, did you have some comments that you wanted to add to the trip and to Sister China?
3: Yes, yes. I just wanted to say um, that the GoFundMe um, page, and that is GoFundMe.com backslash Bridge to Africa. They can certainly make a contribution there. But I want to also let the community know that on February the 20th at the West Las Vegas Art Center beginning at 7 p.m., we will also be having a performance in in celebration for Miss China. So people from the community that she has served, um, you know, they'll be out, they'll be doing performances. Uh, we'll tell a little bit more about her there. And we will be sharing um, some of the slides and some of the footage of what she will actually be experiencing on her tour in Africa and what she is going to bring back.
2: All right. Okay, so please, make it um, Can you, you give the gun, GoFund then. page once more, and we're also going to, put it onto the Our Own Voices live uh, Facebook page so folks can get to it
3: also. I certainly can. It is GoFundMe.com backslash Bridge to Africa, and people can certainly go there. And I wanted to say this, too, that we, you know, Miss China is the first of these scholarships, and we're really, really, really excited about it. But we're going to be looking around in our very own community for the next person and the next person and the next person that we can send on this tour with this scholarship. And we're looking for persons specifically, like you just mentioned, Rodney, that are already functioning in our community through service, you know, because we want to make Mm -hmm. sure that people that we send is definitely going to bring something back.
2: Absolutely, Mm -hmm.
3: that's very cool. Okay,
1: it sounds good, Uh, sister Deshawn. Sister Angela has to cut out, and uh, okay, Angela, thank you so much for being a part of the show today, Uh, sister Deshawn. Thank you so much for sharing with us, Angela. Do you have any parting words? For sharing, it's
2: wonderful.
3: Yes, I would like to just encourage everybody to um, take a vested interest in Africa. If it's not Ghana. You know, you research and do the research and find a country that you like that you want to put your time um, and resources into because it's very, very, very worth it. And I'm hoping that you would come with us on one of our tours. We go a few times a year and you're more than welcome. I'd love to introduce you to Ghana. Uh,
1: there you go, Angela. Sounds wonderful. <laughs> I know,
2: Sister <laughs> uh, so Deshaun I can't wait to talk with you some more outside of the show, because I want to hear absolutely it. so many. I have so many more questions and so so much more information that I I'd love to to hear about. So uh, let's keep it going. This is a wonderful thing to uh, add to the community. And come on, people, let's donate to Miss China and let's send her
3: on the adventure of a lifetime and let me add just this and before i go is that of all the trips that we've taken i've always said that we wanted to do a, a documentary about you know people who were going for the first time so this particular trip we're really excited because it's actually happening happening we're doing a documentary um we're filming the whole process so we started in the San Francisco Bay Area we'll be filming here this coming weekend and then we'll be on the on the ground in Ghana filming as well and to add to that we're going to be streaming live from Ghana during our stay there, so people who want to ask questions, um, meet some of the people that we're meeting, will have the opportunity to do that. So stay tuned for that, and I'm hoping, Rodney, that you can get that word out as well about our video streams, and you can meet some of the people there while we're there.
1: Well, I'll even go and say that, uh, and I'll, I'll get with Angela uh, later on, she, she has to go and, and run for something else, but... What I want to do is we can talk offline on, and I want you to, if if you can, call back in the show next week because I want to I want to maybe a five or ten-minute segment because I want to keep this alive in the community with uh, more insight into but also reinforcing the need to support uh, Miss China. Uh, I, I do believe it's important, but if, if we, you know, we have uh, some media uh, resources here that if we can collaborate with you and share it to our folks. We would love to be a part of that.
3: Perfect. Well, let's talk offline, and and thank you so much for having me on this afternoon. It's been wonderful.
1: All right. That's Sister Deshan Muhammad with a trip. Miss China goes to Africa, and uh, it'll be a trip where she will be enriched, and she plans on bringing back that treasure to share it with all of you and your children. Please uh, support her in this endeavor as she tries to support you in bigger and, and greater means. Uh, it has been posted. The GoFundMe page has been posted on the website. We will continue to uh, keep you all abreast of the status of the GoFundMe page. And also, please call in and share why you think it's important for one of us to go there and, and more and, but especially in this particular moment, for one to go there and bring that, that not bring back that knowledge and information to the community. Sister Deshawn, you have been awesome, just full of information. I appreciate your willingness to share that with our listening audience. Uh, hopefully, we will be in touch, and uh, you always inspire me. Thank you so much. Thank
3: you so much. Thank you again for the opportunity. Have a wonderful afternoon. Bye, Angela. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.
1: <laughs> Well, you all have been listening. That was Sister Mohammed, Muhammad uh, talking about Miss China Goes to Africa. That's how I've coined it. We have one of our own in the community who's taking a trip to Africa and will be there for quite some time. This is not a turn and burn where you just go and sort of dip your toe in. No, this is a trip where she's going to be living amongst the people as they live their normal day-to-day lives. She will be immersed in the culture, and then she will bring that back to our community. If we're, whatever community you're in, maybe this is an opportunity for you to consider taking a trip or establishing some mechanism so that someone from your community can go on a trip like that. I think that communities will be better off. We've also talked today about the African-American Youth Summit with David Johns from the White House Office of uh, Education Initiative, uh, who came here with the Clark County Black Caucus, who put on an awesome event that was youth-slash-student-centered last evening, and the students got a chance to give some wonderful insights from their perspective on the education system. I feel enhanced because of it. Hopefully, when you all get to view some of the clips and get more information about it, you will be also. This is Black History Month. And as it is Black History Month, I also wanted to give you just a little bit of uh, context for Black History Month. We're celebrating something pretty unique this Black History Month as it is 2015. And as many of you know, Carter G. Woodson is the founder, some people say father, of Black History and Black History Month as it was Black History Week, and later it became Black History Month as we know it today. Oftentimes there are some comments about Black History Month being February, and we some say that we've been shortchanged because of that. Well, let me read you just something very quick about uh, Black History Month. And it says, the precursor of Black History Month was created in 1926 in the United States when historian Carter G. Woodson and the Association of the Study of Negro Life and History announced the second week of February to be Negro, in quotes, History Week, unquote. This week was chosen because it coincided with the birthday of Abraham Lincoln on February 12th and Frederick Douglass on February 14th, both of which dates, black communities had celebrated together since the late 19th century, since the late 19th century. So this wasn't something that was sort of chosen and given to us. This is something that we had a hand in. So maybe we should embrace this a little bit more then we do. And we also have another great American uh black American who was born during this time. Uh I believe it was Malcolm X. Uh someone check my history out, but I believe he was born I believe it may have been February 21st too. Like I say somebody check my history because accuracy is important. So February seems to be a good date to celebrate black history month what i'd say is regardless of what day it is excuse me malcolm x was born in may he was assassinated february 21st so malcolm x assassinated february 21st uh, 1965 Audubon ballroom in new york city there is i guess what i'm trying to say is maybe you could do it with any month but definitely we have some notables That we identify with outside of Abraham Lincoln Obviously with Malcolm X And especially Frederick Douglass Who was so instrumental in the abolitionist movement As well as women's suffrage Uh, So February Maybe you know for February For this Black History Month Let's take an opportunity to look at the positive Let's take an opportunity to look at the positive We can always find negative We can always find dissension We can always find division But let's look for the positive positive. And then let's accentuate that positive and build on that. Uh, One man with an organization helped bring this to fruition. We can do much more uh, today with this time to celebrate and reflect. One of the topics that we wanted to broach today was a black agenda. Uh, We need one, uh, whether it's focused on education. It's whatever we decide whatever we come up with, but we need one. Do we have one? Are we actively working on it? I I have one, and it's one that I talk about and I will talk about in uh, future shows this month. I also want to touch base on the literacy book drive because we have to be able to read. Uh, People can tell us anything, and if all we go by is what people tell us, then what we're being we're being controlled by those people. If we want to have self determination and any sense of autonomy and self expression at all, we have to know it for ourselves, whatever there is for us to know. People will say, well everything is written by Europeans. First of all, everything is not written by Europeans. There is much literature and ancient literature that has been written by African Americans as well as Africans. Remember the Library of Alexandria used to be the center of the universal knowledge. Remember the university, the college, the center of knowledge, not only of Africa but of the world with some documents that are still there. Some have been destroyed. Knowledge is power. Now, how you get that knowledge, that's one thing. But it's getting the knowledge is the most important thing and then what you do with the knowledge. We have to be educated and part of being educated is we have to have the ability to read. We have five locations by the Urban League or excuse me, six locations by the Urban League to drop off books. Uh, The book drive officially kicked off February 1st. It will end April 10th and then April 11th we will have a book fair. Please, Share those books that you loved at some point but you're no longer interested in. And if it's books that you got and you really weren't interested in them, maybe someone else is. Repurpose those books beyond your garage or a dusty shelf, especially if it's something that you do not plan to read again. If you have children's books, please repurpose those and pass them on to others in the community that may be needed. We can do a lot to help ourselves. We don't have to always wait on someone else. This literacy book drive is an effort by the community to help those in the community that need help. If you can, please do so. You can, there's also, there will be a drop-off box at Nevada Partners, which is located at 710 West Lake Mead Boulevard. I hope that you will be able to share those books and drop them off there. Uh, and we're working on other locations, and we'll put those on a Facebook page to provide updates uh, for that. This is something that is at no cost, and at no cost, what we're doing is we're giving valuable treasure, knowledge, information to those who desperately need it, as we heard from the Youth Summit last evening, the African-American Youth Summit by the Far County Black Caucus with their host, David Johnson, special guest. Well, today's show on Our Own Voices Live was Miss China Goes to Africa. African-American Student Summit recap, the Literacy Book Drive, Black History Month, and the Black Agenda. Next week, please call in and share your Black Agenda items with us. Uh, you can go to Our Own Voices Live, leave comments for us about the show, about the topics. Of course, you can find the link to Miss China's GoFundMe page for her trip to China. Uh, you can also, we'll try to put the information up about the event to recognize and celebrate her, and also to maybe raise a a few dollars for this trip. This is Black History Month, and we're at a, a major anniversary for Black History Month. Are we ready to reflect back and not to stay back, but to see the power and the strength of us as a people? And are we ready to move forward to make it even better? This is an opportunity. It should be done every day of the year, but because we know it's not taught in our schools, this is a great opportunity to get a book. Angela mentioned the new uh, media outlet by Robert Johnson, formerly of DET, that is focused on black films, black movies, documentaries. Uh, It's a special rate to subscribe to it, 29 bucks. I'm going to subscribe to it. Hopefully, as shortly after I get off the program today, maybe you all can, too, because when we support our own, we provide jobs in our community for our own, and we empower ourselves, and that's what we need is to empower ourselves. Thank you so much for listening to Our Own Voices Live today. I look forward to comments that you may send on the Our Own Voices Live Facebook page. We will be back next Saturday at 12.30 p.m. On the West Coast, that's 3.30 p.m. for those of you back east. I look forward to hearing from you between then, and I look forward to hearing from you Saturday. I hope everyone is safe. Take an opportunity to pick up a book and read for yourself, and also let your child or a child see you doing it, and feel free to read something to them. Take advantage of the many resources and programs this month for Black History Month, and maybe you too will want to take a trip to Africa. Until next week. 1230 on the West Coast, 330 on the East Coast. This is Rodney, and for my host, Mrs. Angela Thomas and our special guest today, Miss Deshaun Muhammad. Thank you for joining us, and we'll see you back next week. Bye-bye.